Hey, real quick, guys. I don't know if you know this, but each week I put together an exclusive newsletter for our subscribers that covers things like uh, entrepreneurship, investing, wealth building, productivity, and personal development. Also, you get some pretty cool behind-the-scenes content that the rest of the world just will never get to see. So if you're interested in joining us, get over to beyondtheapex.com slash newsletter to join the tens of thousands of other subscribers getting their weekly five to thrive. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to Amplified Impact. This is the podcast where we talk about how to build better businesses, invest in real estate, and how to hyper-focus on the things that matter most so that we can maximize our return on life. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino, and I've written a few best-selling books, built a few seven and eight-figure businesses, and currently manage a $70 million real estate portfolio. But the thing I'm most proud of is that I managed to turn my ADHD into a superpower. This podcast is all about the stories, lessons, and strategies I wish I had learned sooner in the pursuit of living a life beyond the apex. I'm psyched to have you here. Now let's go make some Amplified Impact. And welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm psyched to have you here. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the things I think that plagues most small businesses out there. And the reason why most entrepreneurs really struggle to get traction, to keep traction, and uh, to keep scaling. So if you're just starting a business, you're at like five figures, and you're trying to get to six or seven or eight figures, you're, you're going to be limited in how quickly and how well you can scale based off of the quality of your systems. And in my experience, from just kind of looking at the lay of the land and talking to a lot of new entrepreneurs, the the reality is that most businesses are just one resignation or one sick day away from like complete catastrophe. And what I mean by that is they maybe have like one linchpin um, employee. Maybe that's you as like the owner, but the person who's like wearing all the hats and doing all the things. And if that person was ever to leave for any reason, well, they're taking all the knowledge that they have inside their head along with them. And as a result, like you as the owner, if this isn't you, maybe you have like one key hire and you're like, that person does everything. They kind of run the company or they run that one particular wing of my company. And I don't really know how I would replace them. As soon as you start using terms like that person's irreplaceable, you are going to start losing sleep at night because that is not a good place to be. Because the truth of the matter is we all die, right? Like things happen all the time. People move on. They, you know, they go through catastrophe in their life. And so you're very fragile if you think that you have somebody on your team who's irreplaceable. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're the person who's going on vacation and you're still fielding all the phone calls from customers and from employees because they don't know how to do the thing on their own. And so this is what I, what I've seen, um, is, is holding most entrepreneurs back from like really getting to the place where they've built a business that is thriving, that is growing without them. And ultimately like gives the, the owner themselves like a lot of satisfaction and uh, peace of mind knowing like I have this asset that's working for me and I'm not just grinding away at the, the millstone, so to speak. So what I want to share with you guys today is uh, the eight-figure blueprint. This is the the exact, these are three systems that we use at Invictus Capital that have helped us scale to $70 million of assets under management over the last three years. These are not all the systems by any means, but these are three key systems that I think will help you make that transition from being the linchpin uh, entrepreneur where it's everything comes down to you doing all the stuff or to being the vulnerable entrepreneur, like vulnerable to your employees because they have all the knowledge and you don't, you don't have anything. So what we're going to talk about is how to create your operations playbook 
a collaborative hub and a sharing station. And we use three softwares. I'm going to be talking about those in this um, this episode today. But just so you guys know, I did a blog post. I did this was an, uh, a newsletter article that went out to the hyper focused entrepreneur uh, newsletter subscribers a, about a month or two ago. And you can still access that at anthonyvicino.com backslash blueprint. So go check out the blog article. There's photos in there of our exact systems, how they're structured, how they're laid out, so you can get a better visual. Um, so if I don't go into enough detail here in the, the pod, then you're definitely going to want to check that out. So number one, your operations playbook. So the truth is reality in the beginning, when you're first starting your business, like you're it, you're the person that has to do everything. You're going to be doing sales, admin, marketing, fulfillment, uh, product design, all of it. And that's because you, you don't, you don't have any uh, systems. You don't have the team. You don't have the resources to be able to afford the team, right? And so you're you're really not able to to start growing. And at this point, most people struggle because it's cap lack of capital and it's lack of lack of help. And so you're doing everything. That's just that's just the reality of the situation. But your goal is to get out of that place as quickly as possible and get to the level where you can start bringing on high quality help to start pushing that flywheel to help you push that flywheel faster and faster and faster. Now, if you're good at what you do, which is not an assumption I want to necessarily make, but if you want to be profitable and do well, you're going to have to get good, good enough. And so, you know, in the beginning, you're probably going to suck and that's okay. It takes time. Um, But let's say you get to that base level of good enough. Well, the thing that's going to be holding you back at, at that point are two things. Like you have a business that's making money, it's coming in the door, you're profitable, um, but you're going to have to overcome a psychological limitation and a systemic limitation. And the psychological limitation is is actually probably, it's probably the harder one for most people. So what I mean by the psychological limitation is let's say you now have this business that's profitable, you've been doing you got the flywheel going, you were doing all the things and you now have money coming in and you're starting to realize like, Hey, we got this thing. Um, well, what allowed you to get to that place in the beginning is that you have to be scrappy. You have to make every penny really work for you. And so you were, um, rewarded for frugality, for your MacGyverness, for your resourcefulness. Well, now you have to start to transition, right? Now you need to be able to invest back into the company, into bringing on great talent and great help. And that can be a very hard thing to do psychologically because you might feel I'm not ready yet. Now's not the time because you've been operating a kind of like this scarcity operating on a, on a razor's edge um, mentality for so long. And now that you have to transition that from, you know, hoarding money to thou reinvesting the money, that can be very hard. And this isn't just, I'm not just talking about business here. This is also in your personal life, right? Like for me, I know when I was getting out of that van 10 years ago, like I was poor and like, I had no money, but even after I was making six figures, seven figures a year, like I still really struggled to spend money. Like it was something that gave me a lot of anxiety to the point that when I would build a business and I would have a partner, I would say, okay, you're in charge of the finances and paying bills because that causes me stress. Even when I know we have the money in the bank, like paying bills just stressed me out because I always felt like, oh, I'm never going to see this money again. So it's a psychological limitation, both in your personal life and in your business life. In your business life, it's, it's very problematic because there's only ever two times to hire somebody. You either hire too soon or too late. The problem with hiring too soon is it costs you money. The problem with hiring too late is it costs you opportunity. Now, when you measure these two things, like one of them can be quantified on a spreadsheet, right? Like how much you're going to spend in money 
to bring on that new hire. The opportunity cost, though, can't be quantified in the same way. And so typically what ends up happening then is we we overweight the thing that we can see, that number on the spreadsheet. Okay, if I hire this person, it's going to cost me $50,000 a year. And that informs our decision, not, okay, by comparison, how much am I leaving on the table by not bringing them in? Oh, if I brought in another person, we could double our revenue in the next year. Well, if you double your revenue, what's that mean in total profit? Well, we'd make 300000 Okay, well, you've just passed up $300,000 because of $50,000 of expense, right? But because we don't go through that that mental calculus, we overweight what we do see. In my experience, because there's only ever two times to hire, too soon and too late, like hiring too soon costs you money, too late costs you opportunity. My experience has been that hiring too late is always more expensive. And so you should probably always hire a little bit sooner than you feel ready and comfortable. And so if you can overcome that psychological barrier, Now you have to overcome the systemic barrier, which is, again, because in the beginning you were doing everything, you didn't really need to create systems and processes because you knew what you were doing and what was the point of documenting it, right? Like, you know how to do it. You don't need to document it for yourself in the future, right? You're just going to pick it up and do it again because you remember how to do it. And that will serve you well in the beginning because you're just doing everything. And The hard part here is as soon as you get to the point where you've reached enough scale, where you're ready to start bringing on other people is one, you don't have the time to bring them in and train them properly. So what you'll probably end up doing is you'll bring them in, you'll kind of show them a couple of your haphazard systems that you've kind of cobbled together. You kind of show them and they're going to do it. And it's going to take them longer than you expect. It's going to come back with less quality than you expect. And it's just going to overall really frustrate you. So you're going to get to the point where like, I can do this better. I can do it better, uh, faster on my own. I'm just going to do it myself. And so you get rid of that person and it wasn't their fault. It was your lack of systems, your lack of processes, your lack of training, your onboarding, all of it. So the big question that you have to answer is then when is the right time? Like when is the right time to start building those systems and processes? Well, the answer is right now. Right now, when it's just you on the team, like now is the time to start documenting that stuff because if you can't make time for it now, you won't be able to make time for it later, especially once you have that new hire coming in. It is just not going to happen. And it reminds me of that really famous quote, which is, if you don't have the the time to do it right now, when are you going to have the time to fix it, right? So if you don't have the time to do it right, when are you going to have the time to fix it? And the truth is like, you're you're not. And the time is never going to be any you're not going to have more time. Like you're not going to be ever any less busy than you currently are. And so what you have to do is you have to find a way to balance the the current needs of the business against the future needs of the business. And this is like the difference between, you know, feeding yourself every day. You probably, you know, you're going to prioritize that because without food, you, you don't last very long, but you also got to be brushing your teeth and taking care of your long-term health. And right. Because if you don't, then you're going to get down the road a couple of years and you're going to have a lot of issues. And so you need to find a way to carve out the time now, early on, um, and lay the foundation so that you can bring the team in later. And this is where we get to the idea of the operations playbook. For us at Invictus, we use a software called called Notion, which is just a very powerful database. It's a way of framing all of our dis- different systems and processes. If you go over, again, to anthonyvicino.com backslash blueprint, you can check out exactly how we laid this out. It's very simple. But what we try to do is we try to document every single role and every single responsibility inside the company so that if anybody was ever sick or got hit by a bus, God forbid, like we could bring somebody in off the street, we could hand them this operations playbook and they could do pretty much any job in the company. Doesn't mean they're going to do it well, but they could do it. 
And with time, with repetition, they can do it better and improve at it. So this is a living, breathing document and everybody's responsibility in the company is to continually be improving it and try to make the company better as a result. This is very, very difficult because you're going to get caught up in the day-to-day actions of like the the grind and it's going to be very hard to like make time to prioritize these systems and processes but it's critical um, that you do because if you don't then again you're going to have key man risk to key employees and you're going to be stuck working in the company yourself so here's here's my simple four-step process for you know getting your operations playbook off the ground number one you got to track you so create an activity log i want you to at the top of every hour for two weeks log everything that you did in that previous hour. And over that two week period, you're going to look back and you're going to start to see like all the recurring things that you're doing. Now I want you to take that. And step two is, you know, we record this somewhere. We put it into Notion, into Asana, into Google Drive, wherever, like you need to document it somewhere. So record that information. Step three is now that we have all our tasks that you're doing on a recurring basis, we need to rank them in terms of the things that are very high priority, high value tasks versus low value tasks. Now, the fourth part is document. And what we want to do is we want to document these tasks, like create step-by-step checklists on how to do them in reverse order of importance. And that might be counterintuitive, like, but instead of doing the systematizing the most important things first, we're going to systematize the least important things. The reason for that is because those tend to be the easier things to systematize easier to outsource. And so in the beginning, your first hire are probably going to be people who can just take those low value tasks off of your plate so that it frees you up to spend more time on the high value tasks. And then after time, as you start, you know, outsourcing more and more of those low value tasks, all that you then have left are the high value tasks. And that's when you're going to start bringing in really high value people. So that's number one. That is our operations playbook. The second thing, the second system that we're going to build out is our collaboration hub. Now, the thing is, as your team expands, so too will the complexity of communication that needs to occur. Because when there's just you, you don't need to communicate with anybody. You have all the information. Perfect. As soon as there's another person, now the two of you need to stay on the same page. But this isn't super hard, typically, because every time you're in the same room and have a conversation, both of you are privy to it. No, but the thing get the thing is things get really complicated really quickly as soon as you add a third, fourth, and fifth person to the equation. Because as soon as there's three people, well, if person one and person two have a conversation in the hallway, well, then person three wasn't there. And if person three talks to person one later, then person two didn't hear about it, right? So very quickly, the nodes of communication expand at this geometric rate. And it can get downright problematic because when we have poor communication channels, it slows down our company and it increases our error rates. And both of these things are death knells for a company. So to avoid this, you need to have a place where the team can collaborate in um, in, in a single uh, resource. And so what we like to use is Google Drive for sheets and documents and images, things like that, where we need to go in there and multiple people need to be looking and using the same tool simultaneously. We can make notes in there. Everybody can stay on the same page full transparency, like Google drive is such a great resource. It's, it's not free, but it's practically free for what, what you're getting. You, and 
Like we ran all of escape climbing through Google drive. That was like a, a mid seven figure company. We ran it entirely through Google drive. So it's entirely possible. And I know people who run even way bigger businesses just using Google drive. Now it's not the thing that we use exclusively. We really like notion because it's a better database. It's better from a searchability perspective for an operations playbook. But Google drive is very, very powerful for collaborating on documents and making sure that like the things that we're doing on a day-to-day basis that we're all staying on the same uh, page. And so you can, again, go back to that that uh, that article that I mentioned on anthonyvicino.com backslash blueprint. You can see exactly how we use this um, as a team. It's very, very powerful. Now, the the last thing then, this is for, that was for internal communications, right? So the first thing that the operations playbook, that's all about like, getting all the systems and processes identified so that we could onboard and train, we can keep everybody um, up to speed and so that there's no vulnerabilities in the company. Step two is the collaboration hub is making sure our internal communications are tight. Step three or the third framework that we're going to use, the third system, is to make sure that our external communications are tight. Now, the reason um, we don't use Google Drive for external communications is I've, I've found that it's not great from like a secure sharing perspective. The upload speeds are really slow for certain types of media. And then just managing permissions is a pain in the butt. So I don't like to use Google Drive for external communications. We use it only for internal processes. For external uh, communications to like vendors, suppliers, customers, all sorts of things like that, we're using Dropbox. And that's a really powerful, simple tool um, when we need to share marketing collateral, a video, or if there's like a spreadsheet or something like that. Like that's where we like to, to, to use it for. Now, I'm not saying like you need to use these softwares. What I'm saying is that you need to have processes in place for your operations playbook, for your collaboration hub or your internal communications, and then for your sharing station, which is your external communications. Use whatever softwares or systems that make sense for you because, again, any system can work as long as you use it. Like any system is effective if, if actually applied. So, but hopefully this helped you guys think through some of the key things that I find have like really limit companies' abilities to grow and scale. Um, if you don't start building out these systems now, then they will limit you into the future. You're going to have to build them at some point. It's either you build them too soon, and that's going to cost you money, or you wait till it's too late, and that's going to cost you opportunity. And remember, the greater cost is almost always the opportunity. So I hope this brought you guys value. If it did, let me know. Hit me up on social media. Share this with your friends. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. And as always, stay hyper-focused, my friend. I'll see you in the next episode.